So this morning, we again hear from Paul's letters, this time the second letter to the church in Corinth, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Paul is writing to this church in Corinth to encourage them to give, to give financially in order that another church and another series of churches, group of churches who are quite poor, can be supported. So listen to Paul's invitation and encouragement to these early believers to give. And I read to you again from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 6. Paul writes this, the point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. The one who supplies seeds to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that has been given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh God, thank you this morning for the grace that comes to us through Jesus Christ. That gives us that instills in us a spirit of thanksgiving and generosity. So open this word to us, whatever it is we need to know for our lives and our journey and our growth as disciples. All this we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Over the years, if you have heard me preach or been even in meetings with me, you have often heard me talk about being Swedish. It was a really important part of my family's identity and my own identity growing up. Three years ago, you might remember that uh, we were found by my Swedish uh, family after 123 years of not knowing uh, the family on either side of the ocean. Two and a half years ago, Dave and I were able to uh, be in Sweden. What I'm going to say is obviously a generalization, so I say that ahead of time, about uh, what both my brother Neil and I often talk about, about Swedes and Swedish culture. Um, all things in moderation. Nothing flashy, not in food, dress, or colors used in your house. As my brother Neil has often said, think IKEA. We assemble our own furniture. 
We also say there is no stopping becoming an old Swede, as Neil and I have, have grown into our 60s. Uh, once again, this uh, generalized stereotype seemed to be confirmed by a study that my brother recently read about that was uh, investigating the, and uh, surveying different cultures, different countries around the world, and, and who were the happiest people? Ah, it turned out, as least was reported, that Scandinavians, Swedes, Norwegians, and Finns were some of the happiest people on earth. Now, it turns out not because they have more, because Lord knows they are dark, cold days and some pretty bland food. But it's because they have lower expectations. They expect, as a culture, less. They don't expect to be happy all the time, so they're happier. Hmm. So what does this say? So that our inner disposition tells us something about the rest of the world and, and how we see it and how we interpret it. And that possibly happiness is related to our internal disposition rather than our external circumstances. Now, that being said, I want to be clear, and I'll say this again. This is not to deny suffering it's not to deny grief. It's not to deny physical pain because we do, all of us, looking out here and you all out there, there are times in our lives when there are situations that are so burdensome that no matter what your internal disposition is, you are living in sorrow or pain. So that, you know, keep that with the little asterisk on it. That there are times when our situations do so influence our internal disposition that we cannot move forward, and yet, and yet. What we know and what I have learned from being with all of you and persons in ministry for 26 years almost is that, yes, in fact, an internal disposition toward gratitude does influence our external experience of the world, and also our ability to be generous. As I was thinking about this, I, I thought about my first appointment. I had only been at New Richmond for a few weeks, and I, I had a call that let me know that one of our older couples from the church who I had not yet met had recently lost an adult son. Would I go visit? And so I go to this home with these people I don't know, and I'm warmly welcomed in. And I begin to hear about the story of the death of their son who died from a congenital uh, hereditary disease in his 40s. But as they're talking, they tell me that their only other child, their daughter, had died just a few years before of this. Wow, what incredible suffering, right? And, and um, as this conversation went on, there were seriously a lot of tears and a lot of grief. But also, this is what touched me then and has remained with me, a lot of thanksgiving, a lot of thanks. This older woman, Betty, said, I know there are others who have it worse than we do. And I'm honestly thinking, I don't know anyone, but yeah. There are others who have it worse than we do, and I am so grateful 
I'm so grateful because I have these two beautiful granddaughters, and, and the one is married, and she has grand, and she has children, and, and they come over, and they are with me in our lives, and I left there again inspired. I told the little story yesterday about Mae Stewart and my feeling of being with her in her time when, um, when they had said, like, she's moving into hospice care. And, and when May was talking about she's the one who is suffering and, and now facing the end of this earthly life. And I am crying and she is comforting me because of her great faith. It was her inner disposition. That inner disposition of gratitude is such a grace from God. Gratitude, again, this is not this simple, superficial, Pollyanna view of life. It doesn't ignore suffering. It doesn't ignore this, the uh, injustices of life. But it is a grace, a gift. And at times it is a decision. At times it is a decision to be thankful. In this letter, Paul writes to the Corinthians... And he tells them that the grace of gratitude leads to an expression of generosity. That it's a reciprocal relationship, right? It is, it's a reciprocal relationship. Gratitude leads to generosity, and generosity leads to gratitude. Verse 8, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything you may share abundantly in every good work. Down 11, verses 11 and 12, you will be, you will be, this is by giving, you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. There is this connection, this, it's inseparable between our internal disposition of being thankful for our lives and for the gifts and our ability to be generous. Generous. How? In what ways? Financial giving, yes. And at this time of year in our congregations, almost everyone I know in the fall talks about stewardship, about being generous. Uh, Pat's words and, and Jeff's words. They reminded us that our ministry together needs financial support, and we continue to covet and be thankful for all of yours. You know, We know that, right, it's not because you feel guilty or because it is your dues, but rather in that, uh, again, the letter from Paul when it says, God, don't do anything because of compulsion, but do it because you have freely chosen to give. Do it because God has given to you. And what does it say? God loves the cheerful giver. So generous with your financial resources Generous with your time and your talent, whether that means at the church, in your neighborhood, in your family, in your community. Quick story, not all the details, but on Monday I was driving up to Jamestown with uh, my mom's ashes in the car for the internment of um, those in the cemetery in James, outside of Jamestown, and I ended up in a ditch. It was... Uh, It was a very icy, snowy morning when we decided to do this, my brother and I. And um, the first person that stopped this, uh, he was also in a ditch, by the way, but um, he came and he he tried to get me out, and he was very generous. He was very kind. But he said, oh, no, we can't do this. You're you're stuck. 
you're stuck. Call, nine, call uh, AAA. And so I did. It would be an hour. Ah, but then along came a man in a township truck. I feel like a parable. Um, along came a man in a township truck, and he pulled up and, and um, he looked at it and he said, I think I can help you if you do exactly what I say. And I told him, I'm not very good at that, but, but I will. But I, I'll give it a shot. And so I rolled the window down, and he stood by my car, and he gave me moment by moment what to do. Give it the gas. Stop! Turn your wheel. Straighten your wheels. Reverse. Stop! And we went back, forth, back, forth. It couldn't have taken more than four minutes. And I was out. Both of those people were very generous in stopping. The second person was very generous with sharing what he knew, right? We've all had those experiences where someone wanted to help, but they really didn't know what they were doing. You appreciated it. Each of us, I completely believe this. No matter who we are, no matter how old we are, no matter what our life skills are, each of us has something to offer. Each of us brings something literally to the table of to be generous with our skills. We'll leave it at that. Because I don't even want to give you ideas of what they were and what they are, but I want you to think about what are the skills you have? What are the skills you have? What are the gifts you bring? What's your disposition in the world that you can be generous with? Generous with our understanding and forgiveness. Both my husband and I have uh, serious hearing loss issues. And, um, but we don't wear, <laughs> this says a lot, neither of us wear our hearing aids at home. Um, which, anyway. Um, but what Dave has always said was, so what we'll go with is whatever we think the other person says, we'll assume it was kind. We'll assume... We'll assume the best about another. That is really requires some generosity. I'm going to assume that you, what you said was kind. I'm going to be the first to forgive, and that is hard. And generous with our prayers, and I think these are related. Another funny story from another church I served, which was very telling. Um, when I came, the, the pastor before me had asked the congregation, he'd given them a page in which they were to check off um, what they were committed to praying for. And he kept these papers from, and they were in a file in my desk when I arrived. And, and I was going through, and, and the questions were, will you pray for your community? Will you pray for your church? Will you pray for the nation? Will you pray? And, and everyone Everybody was like, yes, 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 except <laughs> one person. And I kept that paper, by the way. One person did not check that she would pray for the district superintendent or the bishop. And there'd been a little conflict in the church around <laughs> appointments not too long ago. Wow, that is a conscious decision, right? That I will pray for everyone except that person that I don't like. Except that person that did me wrong. Hmm. We are called to be generous with our resources, with our time, with our talent, 
with our attitude, with our prayers. Jesus was not kidding when he said, pray for your enemies and those who persecute you. Generosity springs from a grateful heart, and we are grateful, right, in this season of thanksgiving and of giving thanks. So my prayer for myself, for all of us, is that because we are grateful, we can be generous. And the fruit of our gratitude will be this generous giving in all things that transforms this world into the kingdom of God. So that is our prayer as we enter this glorious week and move toward this beautiful season of Advent. So 